Dear sports fans, elevate your game to the next level with a Toyota truck. Drive the crowd favorite Tacoma. This versatile playmaker is ready to own the weekend. Choose the tailgating MVP, the Toyota Tundra. This is one vehicle that comes up clutch. Or ride in the adventurous 4Runner, a true champion on and off the road. Whichever truck you choose, you're getting a real winner. Come join the team of champions, Toyota Trucks. Visit Toyota.com to learn more or check out your local Toyota dealership today. Toyota, let's go places. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Of course, as always, the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. You can subscribe and save 20% off your Strava Craft Coffee when you use the code DNVR. And honestly, if you subscribe, you get 20% off your coffee every single time you go and get yourself some Strava Craft Coffee. So get in on that now. Go into Strava Craft Coffee, subscribe, and save 20% off. They'll send you to that CBD-infused, rich, tasty coffee, and uh, it will be delicious. So make sure you subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee today. All right, welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast live if you're tuning in. If not, thanks for tuning in uh, through your podcast feeds. But this is, of course, presented by MSU Denver Online. They'll put a dynamic education at your fingertips and give you rigorous and affordable programs. And so you can get your degree that you've been thinking about. Never been a better time than now to go back to school and get that degree you've been wanting. But like I said, bonus pod Saturday. You know, there might uh, not be... Uh, you might be listening to like an outdoor show on the radio, but here we're talking about the Broncos and Zach is coming to you from training camp. But first of all, it's not Saturday. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> My boy Sunday. out here live from training camp practice to just wrapping up and guys, man, I was so excited to see Jerry, Judy, Drew Locke, Cortland Sutton, this offense click and grind. And I didn't get to see much of that because what do you need in order to do that? You need time. And the defense was leaving no time for Drew Locke back there today. That is very, uh, I don't know. Let me, let me ask you, Zach, is that exciting about the off uh, uh, about the pass rush or is that concerning about the offensive line? Both, right? I mean, when I was watching practice, I was a little more concerned because the Broncos did some new things on the offensive line today. Uh, of course, it was Schlotman getting the shot, man, on Friday at center. Today, Patrick Morris was the one getting the shot at center. And then on the right side, 
You had Elijah Wilkinson, who was pretty much the right tackle the entire practice. Uh, so Broncos doing some new things. And let's just say today, that was not the winning combo for the Broncos because pressure wasn't coming from Vaughn, just Vaughn. Wasn't coming from just Bradley Chubb. It wasn't just coming from Darrell Casey. It wasn't just coming from Shelby Harris. It wasn't just coming from Mike Purcell. It wasn't just coming from A.J. Johnson. Kareem Jackson was in the mix, too. I mean, guys, we're talking about the pass rush here. And I feel like I just named the entire Broncos defense talking about the pass rush. Vic Fangio today was dialing it up, not afraid to blitz. I'm sure Pat Shermer right now is uh, talking to Vic after practice saying, what the heck was that, man? This is practice two. Yeah, you know, I think there's a part of me that says it's good that you have this from the pass rush because what you can't have this season is the pass rush uh, you know, going four games without any uh, any big stuff, any sacks, you know, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, it took them up to four games to get I- any sacks. So you got to get the pass rush going early this year. You want to see these guys show out in camp. The truth is, you know, Zach, you love talking about where the money is allocated. Uh, those pass rushers are getting paid a hell of a lot more money than that offensive line is. So, you know, obviously you want to see that offensive line do their job, but you got to see that. You got to see that defensive line, that pass rush, uh, show that they're you know worth all that money. Yeah, you have to. And and the defense did get some turnovers in Friday's practice. Today they were focused on making life tough for Drew Lock. And I'll tell you what, Drew Lock handled the pressure pretty much as well as you could. But Ryan, the pressure was constant. And like I said, it was coming from everywhere. So most of the throws Drew was making were check downs, dump offs. Noah Fant had a lot of work today because he was just running a lot of uh, a lot of drags where he was getting the ball dumped off to him. Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. Drew was putting perfect touch to them over the defensive line. Um, but that's about all there was until the very end of practice where Cortland Sutton got deep He beat A.J. Boye, and Drew dropped in a 50-yard gem right over the shoulder. Cortland Sutton just strided into the end zone for a touchdown. Without a doubt, the play of the day on offense. And on defense, in terms of plays of the days, it it was two out of every three plays. There was just a great pass rush move, a great blitz coming in from the inside or the outside. Um, But really, one on offense that stuck out, and it was Drew to Sutton deep. Okay, but before we move on, I, I brought this up earlier, but I guess I got cut off. You talked about how the blitzes were involved. So, are we so are we talking about five six man blitzes? So they were throwing. Oh no! Now we're losing Mace again. Uh, frustrating. Um, I think you saw where he was going there, Zach. Uh, what What do you say to that? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about four-man pressures at times where you're just bringing uh, Jarrell, Shelby, and then you got Vaughn and Chubb on the outside. Sometimes Jerry Itachu played a lot today, uh, filling in for Chubb as Chubb's going to slowly be brought back. And Jerry Itachu did a good job. The guys in the middle did a good job. But then you were seeing uh, Kareem Jackson and A.J. Johnson coming in the inside via blitz so it wasn't really corner blitzes from the outside and that makes sense right you don't really need pressure from the outside when you got Vaughn and Chubb on the outside so it was a lot of inside pressure and 
I mean, good way to take advantage of rotating centers because Patrick Morris was a center all day today. We still haven't seen Lloyd Cushenberry work with the ones yet. He was getting some time with the twos. I wouldn't be shocked if when you're out here tomorrow, Ryan, you're seeing Lloyd Cushenberry get time with the ones and it'll just be a cycle of those guys. And so Patrick Morris, tough day for him today, along with the rest of the offensive line. But Vic Fangio was serving up a tough plate too. Yeah. And so that can you quickly for the people who are just tuning in, go over what the starting offensive line was again today. Yeah. On the left side, of course, Garrett Bowles, Graham or Dalton Reisner at left guard, Patrick Morris at center right guard. You had Graham Glasgow. And then you did have Elijah Wilkinson pretty much getting the bulk of the time at right tackle today. So that's kind of what we expected with Elijah to start camp. But then we didn't necessarily see that on Friday. We saw him getting some time, but then him also rotating in and out today. It was pretty much Elijah on the right side. Not sure if that's going to stick moving forward, if they're going to try to keep that continuity with Elijah on the right side, uh, or if they're going to continue to rotate that out. But from what is clear is center is not close to being decided. Does that give you a little bit of confidence or make you feel a little bit better? Because in my opinion, that means the Broncos had two out of five, you know, 40% of the offensive line today was backups. Yeah, exactly. And that that could make you feel a little better. But Ryan, at what point are you going to let Drew start clicking with the offensive line? Drew start clicking with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Drew get comfortable back there because what I don't want to see is it take the Broncos three weeks to figure out what their offensive line is. And then once you figure out what's the, what, what the offensive line is, it none of it has had time to click. So um, I, I want that to happen soon. And then I can kind of forget a little bit more about today in terms of just how much uh, pressure there was in Drew's face. So we have a question here from our guy, Tobias Meyer. And uh, he wants to know what happened with KJ Hamler at the end of the practice. We saw him, uh, Zach, I saw from your Twitter feed, just kind of walk off slowly with a trainer. Yeah, exactly. It was during a special teams period. Uh, and KJ just slowly, gingerly walked off the field. What Wasn't being assisted by a trainer, um, but did go back, left practice about 10 minutes early and talked to a source after practice. And they said, KJ's fine, just a little tweaked up. He, he should be he should be ready to go again tomorrow. So nothing to worry about. It was a little nerve wracking to see him walking off practice early, but not, nothing is wrong there from what I'm told. All right, sounds good. Great, great to hear there, Zach. Um, I saw a little highlight that got posted to Twitter of KJ Hamler uh, doing Devante Harris dirty. Was there any more of that out there today? You know, that that was the best one for sure. Uh, but Devontae Harris, speaking of him, he had a more notable day than K.J. Hamler because Devontae Harris got some time with the ones today, and he was a beast against Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton started off practice really slow, really slow. Uh, dropped a pass, and then Devontae Harris broke up two passes that hit Cortland Sutton's hands. Really impressed by, De- by Devontae Harris, but then Cortland Sutton picked up. He ended the day with the most catches from Drew Locke and, of course, the 50-yard touchdown near the very end of practice. Um, but K.J. Hamler still kind of they're, – they're playing it by the book with him. Uh, he was still going with the twos for the most part. But Ryan, Jerry Judy. Mm. Mace gave us the stellar report on Jerry Judy on Friday's practice. And Vic Fangio said, I've seen enough. I don't have to wait any longer. Um, I'm, I'm going to let 
Jerry Judy play with the ones. So we almost saw what Jerry Judy's role is going to be in with this offense. And it's playing inside. It's playing outside. It's going deep. It's doing everything. He was doing everything today with Drew Locke. And despite this being their first practice, really throwing together with the full team, Drew was looking Jerry's way often. And so I was really impressed with that. Um, Jerry getting open a lot. Um, In fact, on one route, he got so open. uh, This was against the twos where the ball was underthrown severely. Jerry wasn't anywhere close to catching it. And it was picked off uh, and taken back for a touchdown the other way. But that one wasn't Jerry's fault. He created too much separation where the defender was so far off him that he was able to pick the route. Yeah, the conversation with Mace the other day was about how much he was playing with the ones. We obviously all thought he should be playing more with the ones. Uh, did you get that feel today that they, you know, that the Broncos agreed with us? Without a doubt, without a doubt, Jerry Judy was in there from the beginning of practice all the way to the end. And what I like to see is at the very end of practice, when uh, practice reps are the most important, it was Jerry Judy who was on the field. Now. What we saw a lot of today, because like I said, KJ Hamler wasn't getting much time in there with the ones today. You had a lot of Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and Tim Patrick. Now, when that was the case, Jerry Judy was your guy in the slot. Uh, But then also, like I said, even with the ones, Jerry Judy was playing outside. Love to hear it. You love to hear it. Uh, Obviously, Tim Patrick, also a guy uh, who is, I guess, fighting for that spot. And there's been some made. I saw our friend Benjamin Albright. Uh, talking about how he was getting a lot of work over there. Uh, how did he look? Uh, Tim Patrick looks solid, uh, it, like like you expect Tim Patrick to look. Nothing incredible today, but he's a guy who knows what he has to do and is going to do just that, whereas Cortland Sutton is going to make the incredible plays. Jerry Judy's always going to be open. Tim Patrick's a reliable guy. All right, what else do we need to know from today's practice? Maybe give us a uh, you mentioned Devonte Harris is a guy who had a nice practice. Any other, you know, dark horse guys out there who stood out to you? How about Albert? O? now not necessarily because he had a great practice. In fact, a, a pass went right off his hands that ended up being intercepted, but he was getting some play with the ones. And you wonder if uh, they're saying we only have three weeks of training camp. We're going to need chemistry to click right away. And we know that Albert O has that chemistry with Drew Locke. So that could really help him get more playing time come the season, despite being a fourth round pick, despite being the third string tight end on the roster right now. Wow. That's really interesting. I mean, obviously he comes in with as much, if not more chemistry with Drew Locke than anyone can say. And I think early on, you're seeing that Cortland Sutton's chemistry that he built with Drew Locke last year is showing out there as Drew's kind of looking for him maybe more than, than the rest of his squad. And I, you know, from the second the Broncos drafted Albert Okuebunam, I thought to myself, this is genius. And usually you see teams do this when they draft a rookie, a young quarterback. Um, you know, I expected the Broncos to bring in Emmanuel Hall last year, who was one of, if not Drew Locke's favorite receiver at Missouri. Uh, and I love that they did this this year because it just makes guys feel a little bit more comfortable. You know, he, Drew Drew Locke has thrown hundreds, thousands, maybe even more than that of passes towards Albert Okuebunam. And 
when he sees him out there on the field, it just gives him a level of comfort. When he sees him around, it just gives him a level of comfort. And I assume when they drafted him, that was their thought process. And I assume that's their thought process now, putting him out there with the ones. Yeah, exactly. And especially we've been we've been talking to to Vic Fangio the past day or on Friday, and he just said how th- there's no waiting around. The urgency is there, and that's a huge advantage for Alberto having that connection already, especially with the team with so many new guys. Um, and uh, speaking of new guys, another guy, Ryan, kind of a dark horse today, Levante Bellamy. Uh, I mentioned Drew Locke was facing tons of pressure. But Draymond Jones and all the backups were getting so much pressure on Jeff Driscoll and Brett Rippon, too, that all they could do was uh, either throw in completions or dump it out of the backfield to the running backs. And Levante Bellamy, who may said struggled catching passes a couple days ago, was on fire today. Not, not, nothing brilliant, but consistent and counted on. And he, w- he was making the plays out of the backfield and then taking them upfield. So Levante Bellamy really stood out um, as the third running back on this team running with the backups today. Maybe he read my report then. (laughs) Exactly. Mesa, we got you back now. Hopefully we get to keep you in here. Uh, uh, Is uh, you got anything from Zach that you want to hear about on the offensive line? uh, Did anybody jump out as struggling to you up front? Talked about the pass rush, but it was anybody, on the offensive line, really struggling to keep pace. Yeah, it was really the interior and specifically coming right from the center. Now, I don't know how much uh, the Mike Munchak wanted Graham Glasgow and Dalton Reisner to help out Patrick Morris, but you could really tell that there was a push up in the middle. The pocket was collapsing from the middle often. And then the right side, guys, uh, Garrett Bowles, uh, wasn't jumping out as having, you know, holding after holding or giving up sack after sack. But I do have to say it was the entire offensive line collapsing. And then from the right side too, um, Bradley Chubb, Von Miller did some work on Elijah Wilkinson on the right side. There, there was at least one strip sack and multiple, multiple, what would have been sacks throughout mm-hmm. the rest of practice and c- coming off the right side, Drew, uncomfortable early and often throughout practice, having to escape the pocket uh, pretty much every other play. That's really interesting, Zach. Uh, there was some reports out there, though, that uh, that Garrett Bowles was having a above-average practice. Do you agree with that? Uh, it, it's hard to say because, like I said, there, there was pressure coming from every single direction. Uh, now, I did notice the right side of the line struggling more than the left side of the line. Um, so maybe – Comparing it to the rest of the line, Garrett Bowles had a good day. Uh, but in, in general, it's not like Drew Locke could just slide to the left the entire time and just sit there until a receiver got open. No, he was scrambling every way. All right. Well, you know, you, you, you'll take that, I guess. You'll take it. You'll take it from Garrett Bowles. Uh, improvement every day is, of course, what you're looking for in the end. So, um uh, the defensive side of the ball was all about the pass rush. Some names that maybe we heard day one that I haven't heard you mention yet. Uh, anything impressive from Bryce Callahan, Michael Ojemudia, Bosby, any of the, uh, the the corners out there? You know, today what I noticed from that third cornerback spot was a lot of rotation. Like I said, with Patrick Morris at center, I wouldn't be surprised if they're rotating centers every day, not every possession from what we've seen the first two days. But today, we were seeing a lot of rotation at cornerback. 
uh, with that starting group. Bosby was getting some play, did pretty well. Uh, Ojemudia, I did not see him running with the ones often, if at all. And so it was Devontae Harris getting that shot. And I kind of mentioned how he had a good, good day today going up against Cortland Sutton, had a few PBUs against Sutton early. Uh, so wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, get a little more playing time with the ones because of his impressive day today going up against uh, the Broncos number one receiver right now. One thing that I want to uh, give a shout out to Mace about, or I should say mention for Mace's purposes is Jeff Driscoll guys. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. Today was not a good day for him. Uh, like I said, just, just like Drew, there was pressure on Jeff Driscoll, just as there was Brett Rippon today, but he was not making the most of it. He was getting very uncomfortable. It seemed like he was seeing ghosts throughout practice. He was throwing the ball five yards off from guys, throwing behind guys, throwing picks, very much not comfortable there. And that, that kind of gave me confidence though, looking at Drew and saying, okay, I'm seeing I'm seeing Jeff Driscoll look like he's getting blitzed all the time and under pressure all the time, and that's what some quarterbacks look like. And then it made me think when I saw Drew under that same amount of pressure, I thought, okay, Drew is handling it a lot better. His footwork looks a lot better than what people expected him to be uh, as an NFL quarterback. He's moving around in the pocket well. He's making decisions well. He's not just scrambling uh, when when one guy's there. He's waiting till it's absolutely necessary then leaving. I like the way he's moving around in the pocket and it, that's kind of the bright spot from being under pressure the whole time. Uh, but he wasn't able to allow Jerry Judy to get open uh, 15 yards downfield. He wasn't able to allow those routes to develop. And that's why we saw one deep pass that was completed from Drew today. It was the one to Sutton near the end of practice. And outside of that, it was Noah Fant on crossers. It was Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon just dumping it out of the backfield. So unfortunately, I didn't get to see Drew show off uh, his, his talents, but I did like the small things that he did when he was under pressure. Uh, give me a offensive player of the day. Oh, boy. You know, I was actually going to uh, – oh, man, th this is tough. I was going to knock Cortland Sutton at the beginning of practice because he had three drop passes to start practice. But then he just became the consistent target for Drew Locke the rest of practice, made the simple plays that needed to be made, and then, of course, ended practice with a 50-yard touchdown. So it's it's funny how he went from trending down in the first 15 minutes of practice to actually ending up being the player of the day on offense. All right, how about defense? Oh, man, I – it's so hard to put it to one person. Vic Fangio for calling all those blitzes. I'll go Von Miller because he would have had a strip sack uh, on one play going against Elijah Wilkinson. Made him look silly. Made him made it look like he was going outside and then cut it in, just threw him off. And, you know, Von would have been there when Drew was holding the ball up. He could have easily swatted the ball down. Maybe just picked it. A little Statue of Liberty for a touchdown for Von uh, if he wanted to. And it, it's good to see Von be Von. Love that. There's always a couple every year uh, where Vaughn just takes over. How close were we to a classic Vaughn, you know, Vaughn getting pulled aside and say, hey, man, chill out. We're trying to get some work done on offense today. You know, it, it would have had to been the entire defensive pass rush because it, it, that's I mean, some guy Vaughn Vaughn was pretty much there all the time. But 
Kareem Jackson coming off blitzes, AJ Johnson coming off blitzes, Jarrell Casey up the middle. They were there before Vaughn a lot of times too. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Pat Shermer is pretty upset with Vic Fangio for day two, bringing all this pressure. And, but to be fair, it wasn't that they were never bringing eight guys. It was at most five or six and they were just getting a lot of pressure on four guys often. Mace, you got anything else for Zach? Uh, can you actually hear me now? I mean, yes. I've tried to talk a few times and it's, I guess you didn't hear me. And I guess I'm like, okay, why am I, why am I even here? Um, Je- Jeff Driscoll, how much of it do you think was just like a fail? Well, I think I know where Mace was going there. Um, I think with Jeff, it was screw this. Man, <laughs> uh, that's what Jeff Driscoll was saying throughout practice too, Ryan. <laughs> I mean, he was just, he was not having it. And the pressure was there. And uh, again, I don't want to put it all on him because the pressure was there, Ryan. But I saw how Drew Locke handles pressure and how I wasn't saying, oh my gosh, if there's this pressure this year, they're in trouble. No, I was saying, okay, if there's pressure this year, this offense is not going to be anywhere close to its potential. Uh, but Jeff was Jeff just looked very uncomfortable there. And I don't want to base this off one practice because I wouldn't put Brett Rippon as the two right now. But if this continues, you have to give Brett Rippon looks with the two. So I'm curious what you see tomorrow, Ryan, when the pads come on and what we see throughout the rest of this week because I'm not pushing the panic button with Jeff Driscoll right now. But if we get one more week down and we're saying the exact same thing about this and he's having practices like this day in and day out, then, yeah, I'm putting uh, I'm putting Brett Rippon in with the twos and seeing if he looks a little bit better because, boy, it it was not good today. Man, that's uh, that's tough to hear because you did go out and spend some money uh, on just having a backup quarterback that. I know Mace didn't feel comfortable with, but you would assume the Broncos felt pretty comfortable with bringing in Jeff Driscoll being, being their backup quarterback. Look, I'm a Brett Rippon guy. Uh, you know, as I've said on this podcast, some people in the building call him the Drew Locke whisperer. Um, so if he's for sure going to be on the roster, he's going to be that backup quarterback. I'll feel good about that. Um, and if he earns that job, I think that that's a good thing. But, you know, you did go and pay for a backup quarterback. You don't want that money just going to waste. No, yeah, you, you certainly don't. But I'll end with some good news on the offensive side, Ryan. There was uh, a lot of creativity that I got to see from the Broncos' offense today. Um, a lot of pre-snap stuff that I love to see. Jerry Judy, like I said, lining up everywhere. Noah Fant doing some stuff. Jerry Judy, some pre-snap motion behind Drew Locke, which, I mean, boy, that's exciting to see. So I really liked the creativity coming there from Pat Shermer, even though you really couldn't do much once the ball was snapped because it was the blitz was there. Aside from pass rush and all that, and and that's great to hear. Aside from all that stuff, was there anything you were expecting to see today or hoping to see today that you didn't? Um, well, I wanted I wanted to see this offense utilize what Pat Shermer was trying to do. Uh, he was trying to be creative, and when he took uh, Uh, Jerry Judy behind Drew Locke in a pre-snap motion. What Drew had to do, he couldn't let the play develop where Corton Sutton was going deep. Uh, He just had to dump it right off to Philip Lindsay. And so I was really excited 
coming here to see Jerry Judy, see what he can do, see how open he could be, see what Corton Sutton could do, see what Noah Fant could do. And it just turned out to be a, a dump down show. And not that's that's not a negative to Drew Locke at all. It's just the offensive line couldn't hold up. All right. Well, Zach, thank you so much for your observations. Of course, uh, subscribers to the DNVR.com will be able to go over and read your full report later today. I'm sure there'll be plenty about the pass rush, but a lot more, you know, maybe of the little details that you find in your notes that aren't top of mind right now. Um, with that being said, we're changing up the format a little bit here today. Last time we went we went live with the entire podcast, um, and I think we're going to change it up. From here on out, we'll be going live for the first segment where you'll hear all of our observations from camp, and then we're going to go just to the podcast format for the second and third segments, the questions from the listeners. So if you have questions, of course, you can always uh, become a member at thednvr.com. Leave your questions on the most recent podcast. We'll get to all of them, but... This way, you know, we'll get out here, get our observations straight to the people, uh, and then the rest of the podcast will go in podcast form on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. So that's going to wrap it up for this live portion uh, of the podcast. We'll see you on the other side out in the, uh, in the podcast arena. All right, for those of us who are still listening, for those of you who are still with us on the podcast format of this show, thanks for sticking with us. And, of course, a shout-out to Breckenridge Brewery, for the best damn beers money can buy. They're damn good beers. You already knew that. And you can come down and get them here at the DNVR bar where they're extra frosty in your big old member-sized beer mug. Uh, or you can just head down to your local liquor store. You can try out whatever it may be down there. We sold out of the Mile High City 15 can pack, so maybe you're going to have to go get yourself a Mile High or a uh, 15 can pack of Strawberry Sky. You can get the 15 can pack of hot peak there's tons of 15 cam packs out there so you can get that that little extra three it's like a baker's dozen mace Ooh, yeah i like that yeah it's pretty nice uh and then of course a shout out to manscaped just got a new shipment in from manscaped you just you just you can't go about your day without you know crop preserver crop reviver all of the great products they do and then of course once in a while you bust out the lawnmower 3.0 and make sure everything's looking primmed and preep if you will. Uh, but anyways, Mace, <laughs> let's get on to the, uh, the questions here from the listeners. You got the first one for us? Yeah, let's start with D. Bronk, who reminds us that the Broncos wasted our time with Kevin Hogan as the number two quarterback for most of camp last year. So they really shouldn't do that with Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton over Jerry Judy this year. Well, Kind of based on what Zach was saying in the opening segment, you know, Judy was already starting to get some first-team reps today, and he did get a, a smattering of first-team opportunities on Friday, and there was one formation on Friday that jumped out to me where we did see Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, K.J. Hamler, and Noah Fant together as the receiving targets. So I think we can see where this is going, but uh, it is it was interesting on that first day to see Jerry Judy working mostly – with the twos and none and no guys in the rookie class getting extensive run with the first team then. Yeah, that is really interesting. And just a programming note for those of you who are tuning in on the podcast side of things, you probably gathered this from the, uh, the first couple shows here, but what we're going to do every day is the person who is with us live uh, from training camp will be on for the first segment. They'll give us all of their takeaways from what they saw at that days of training camp. And then they'll go off the pod to return to write their story. That will be posted on the DNVR.com a little bit after that. Uh, and the, those of us who aren't 
at the practice. We'll finish off your questions just so you guys know for your general questions, you know, especially as we get deeper into camp, Mace will have gone to a few practices. I'll have gone to a few practices. Zach will have gone to a few practices. So I guess what I'm saying is the more general questions will probably play a little bit better here in the second, uh, in the second half of the podcast, just because the person who is at practice specifically that day, most of the time isn't going to be with us for the comment section. So again, just, you know, more general questions uh, will be helpful in the comment section, but we'll still be able to get to just about anything that's on your mind. I'm just, you know, instead of saying, Hey, did Devante Bosby look good today? You'll say something like what count Locula is saying here. And the second question, which I'll also leave for you, Mace. All right. Yeah. He asks, is Bosby playing with the ones at all or against them? He is spooky. Love the count. And the answer is Friday when they opened up, Isaac Yadam was working with the ones when the Broncos went in a nickel. Sunday, Devontae Bosby. Now, is it a shuffle? Is it a demotion? I think it's more likely a shuffle at this point as they're trying to see what everybody has. But, I mean, as I looked at, went back and looked at the film from last year, to me, Devontae Bosby should be ahead of Isaac Yadam unless Bosby isn't healthy. Now, the question is, what impact does Michael Ojemudia have? Can he earn the, th- the number three slot? Or is he going to be somewhere in four or five as a rookie? I think that's the question. But to me, if you had to choose who should be ahead, Bosby or Yadam, if they're healthy, I think you got to go with Big Boss. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Boss was really good in his time last year, I thought, out on the field. I trusted mm-hmm. him, which cannot be said of Isaac Yadam. <laughs> I mean, Isaac Yadam – uh was getting slapped around uh, like a like a bag of franzia at a sorority house uh when he was out there on the field so i'm a big boz guy um and i think that as he as he works his way back into things and and uh gets his chances he'll end up being that number three yeah but the other thing it's i'm curious to see how they end up working guys on monday as well because we're you know trying to figure out what the rotation what the shuffle is where the battles really are because you know when you see on the offensive line patrick mars getting some uh, reps with the first team today after austin schlopman was working on friday you know it's it's a little bit of a fluid situation here our next one here comes in from brighton stole who says new subscriber here we got him Got him. I've been freeloading all season, but my excitement was so high up the first day of camp, let alone the actual season, that I realized I'm going to need the extra content. Go ahead and say it. You got me. I'm a lifelong Kansan and live on the sunflower side of KC, holding down the fort in enemy territory with Missouri Bronco. Quick comment. The way you guys talk about Locke reminds me of the way the Chiefs talked about Mahomes before he baked out. Obviously, I'm not expecting that level of breakout, but hearing similarities gives me an awful lot of hope. DNV Army salute. That's a great point, and I think obviously there's le- there's actually a little less mystery with Drew Locke than Patrick Mahomes because Mahomes had just one start, Drew Locke had five. But yeah, I think there's similarities in the in the optimism. I'll say this though, I just I I I, I want to keep the expectations reasonable for Drew Locke, so I'm not expecting it to be Mahomes, and I think that's a good point, but. Yeah, it's sort of the whole thing of it's a secret. It's it's kind of a secret. Now that being said, RK, I remember the day that Alex Smith got traded to Washington. And I bumped into 
a Kansas City Chiefs staffer that was working Super Bowl week. And he looked at me and he expressed nervousness about trading Alex Smith, not knowing what Patrick Mahomes was going to be. So as dazzling as he'd been on the practice field, there was still a little bit of hesitation because he only had the one regular season game and it was a throwaway game. You remember what the Broncos did on defense in that week 17 game is Kansas City in 2017 and how Aqib Tlaib just kind of tapped out, walked away after one possession. And it was basically a preseason game from that point forward. So I think that was part of the hesitation as well. But even with the great Patrick Mahomes, there was a little bit of nervousness going into that year. Yeah, absolutely. There's never any certainty when it comes to the quarterback position in the NFL, or really most positions. Um, I'm fairly certain about Jerry Judy, but you never know. Uh, you never know. So uh, this is a, a, a just a, a, oh, a time to be open to whatever with Drew Locke. You got to let him become who he's going to be. And while we do have high expectations, Mace – I think it's it's hard to know exactly what it's going to be, and it's hard it's hard to try and pump the brakes from from my perspective because I am so high on Drew Locke. But I think it is also only fair for fans to give him time. He does only have five starts under his belt as an NFL quarterback, and as you should know, it takes a lot longer than that for an, for an NFL player to become who they're going to be. Exactly. And you you got to expect kind of a wide variance in performances. Like sometimes when I think of Drew Locke, I think, okay, what if he works out like Matt Ryan, Matty Ice down in Atlanta? Well, that also means looking back at Matt Ryan when he was a rookie in 08 and he started the entire season for the Falcons. And I was in the NFC South at the time covering the Carolina Panthers there were some games where Matt Ryan looked dominant, but I also recall some games, a couple of games against the Bucks, one game, uh, both games against the Panthers, where really he wasn't that, that impressive, and he was flustered by some very good defenses that could generate some pressure. So if, if, if Drew Locke is sitting there at the end of the year with something like what Matt Ryan did, 3,400 yards, 16 touchdowns, 11 picks, a rating in the mid to upper 80s, and the Broncos winning 10 or 11 games, you're pretty happy with that. And I think that's somewhat realistic to exp- – I think that's actually very realistic, pardon me, to expect a season like that from Drew Locke this year. Absolutely. The next one here is from The Other Ryan. He says, my boys, do we know or can one of you ask when coaches are made available to media if the Broncos' playbooks on defense and offense have been completely installed yet? Any idea what the installation process has been like in the abnormal offseason of virtual meetings in this training camp compared to previous seasons where playbooks are fully installed by the end of OTAs? As always, thank you for the great Broncos coverage. DNV Army salute. That's a great question, and I expect we're going to hear from the coordinators this week, and it's something I, I'm going to ask them because usually they talk about having the full playbook installed at the end of the OTAs, but then those first few days of camp are going over and basically repeating OTA days to make sure everything is down pat. So now without OTAs, with fewer full pad practices, are the Broncos and other NFL teams going to have the luxury of having those repeat days to make sure they get every, everything down? Or is it simply going to be, okay, we did it on this day, 
Then we go on to the next day and we're plowing forward and we're not rehashing everything to kind of underline the concepts to make sure everyone's got them down pat. Makes sense. Makes sense. You want to get the next one there, Mace? Yep. I'll take, it's just from Rob. How does AJ Boye look as the number one? I have not heard a lot about him from the first day of camp. Well, the first day he didn't jump out. And that's one of those things where you say, okay, that's a good thing for, that's a good thing for a corner. Didn't make a play on the ball like Bryce Callahan did also wasn't letting guys behind him. That being said, because you didn't see Jerry Judy with the ones and he's going against Tim Patrick quite often. I don't think the challenge was what he's going to get on a regular basis. So, you know, I, I think the jury is, is still out, but I think, I think he's doing okay. Did Zach uh, mention him at all when I was kind of cutting in and out? He mentioned that uh, Boye was the one in coverage when Drew Locke dropped a dime to Cortland Sutton late in practice. So there's okay. one, you know, uh, demerit, if you will, for him instead of a gold star. I don't know if he's earned any gold stars yet, but it seems like he has been fairly consistent because you're not seeing tweets out there that say, oh, A.J. Boye is getting cooked out there today. Exactly. That's that. That's the worrisome thing. Whereas, you could look at Friday, and I know there were some tweets out there about Isaac Yadam getting burnt from time to time. Not a good sign for him. Rob continues with this: If there are no crowds in the stands at games, do you think it will impact player celebrations of big plays? Will Vaughn still dance after every sack? Will the Seahawks wide receivers still have choreographed touchdown celebrations? Or would a lack of crowd response reduce the adrenaline rush of making a big play in that moment? Man, that's a really good question and one I hadn't thought about yet. I assume uh, we know that these players are very good at finding the cameras and knowing where the cameras are. I assume they'll put on a show for the cameras. But I do think there will be a lack of adrenaline rush you get, say, if you're Vaughn Miller and you're chasing down Patrick Mahomes and the whole crowd is, is like, slowly rising and, and getting out of their seats and it's, oh, and then he grabs them and 70,000 people lose their minds. Like, that inspires you and lifts you to another level to where you have to, like, release your energy in a celebration. Don't know if that's going to happen. I, I've yet to see – I'm trying to think if I've seen, like, a massive dunk in the bubble – where someone posterized someone who's an and one, and, and I just I'm, – I'm blanking on it. I know that hockey goal celebrations haven't necessarily been down uh, because there's so much buildup and release there. So I assume you'll still see your celebrations, but you're right in that there, there won't be this in, massive injection of adrenaline that these guys get when that crowd loses their minds. Yeah, and also the adrenaline of going on the road and shutting a crowd up. That's something that leads to some great celebrations as well when you make a big play and you leave a crowd in silence. That's something that we're going to miss out on as well. And you made a great point about Von Miller, how you can feel the crowd buzzing as, as the sack is about to happen, the anticipation when he's beat his man and he's got missile lock on the quarterback. Yeah, we're in a new world. Of course, as I mentioned on Twitter a little while ago, we're in a world that could benefit some guys. Those guys who aren't gamers, who are practice players, or somebody like Garrett Bowles. My, my hypothesis on Bowles is that since he had more penalties at home than on the road the last couple of years, and those penalties seem to come in clusters, one inevitably became another at some point in the game, and you could kind of feel the loss of confidence, that Garrett Bowles might be somebody who benefits greatly 
from having fewer or no fans in the stands this year because you're not going to have that visceral reaction, especially at home when he makes a mistake. Love it. I think it's a great hypothesis. Uh, (laughs) DNVRgolf.com. That's how you can go download World Golf Tour and play along with us. Once you go to DNVRgolf.com and download it from there, that's how the people at WGT will know that you're part of the DNVR family. And then you'll double down on it by going into Clubhouse and typing in DNVR3, the number three, no space, You can join our country club uh, where we all compete against each other. Sometimes we compete against others. It's a really fun time. So make sure you get in there, go to dnvrgolf.com and join the DNVR three country club to get in on our weekly weekend tournaments. Should be one going on today, actually, May. So uh, I got to, as soon as we finish up here, I'll take to the links and see if I can get a top 10 finish. I only have one on my name and it was early on. Uh, I've fallen behind (laughs) some of our fierce competitors. So uh, dnvrgolf.com, check it out. And then of course, Check out the best damn family-owned dentist group in the metro area. It's Green Mountain Dental Group. They are studs over there when it comes to your teeth. And when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam right now, they're actually going to hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush. It is great. I mean, when you have a Sonicare toothbrush, in, in golf we talk about, you know, let the club do the work. It's like the Sonicare. Just let the brush do the work. You just got to hold it there and, and make sure you hit all the right spots and it'll do the rest of the work for you. It's great. So make sure you check out Green Men and Dental Group uh, whenever you need a cleaning x-ray or exam. Make sure you get those pearly whites and uh, make sure you don't have to hide that smile with Green Mountain Dental. You'll never have to hide your smile because they'll take good care of you, make you sparkle and light up the room. Miller Time 58, just a comment today at maybe a dingo ate your baby. Huzzah, a man of quality. Don't forget, quote, trees don't grow in the shade, unquote. Thanks for all you guys do. Love the pod and great coverage. Love you too, Miller Time 58. And yes, God, trees don't grow in the shade. The greatest thing that, that Paxton Lynch brought to my life. Maybe the only great thing that Paxton Lynch brought in his two-plus years on the Broncos roster before they cut him at the end of 2018 camp. All right, we got a long one here, Mace, but it's a first comment from a new guy, bled orange and blue since 1982, and ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Got him. He says, I'm finally able to support and subscribe to one of my favorite podcasts with my boys. At the DNVR, this is my first comment, so let me start by saying thanks for everything you guys do, and I truly appreciate your patience with this long comment. I've been a Broncos fan for as long as I can remember. This is just part of the reasoning and only a story of my true Bron- that true Broncos fans would understand. My stepfather, Captain James Halen, the incredible man who helped raise me, was a captain for the United, United Airlines for 36 years. He retired in 1993, and before that, he was a fighter jet pilot from the Marines and landed jets on aircraft carriers in the ocean during the Korean War. He was the absolute best pilot United had, and he retired. Because of his amazing hard work for the last four years of his flight career, all he did was fly professional sports teams like the Yankees, Red Sox, Lakers, and of course, the Denver Broncos a lot because he was United, because United's main hub was in Denver. His all-time favorite player on any team was Mr. Elway. One flight, he decided he desperately needed to get an autograph for my brother and I. So mid-flight, he leaves the cockpit and walks back to John freaking Elway and says, Mr. Elway, I'm beyond a huge fan and also the captain of this flight. And I have... Uh, intentions of getting and landing us safe at our destination but in order to do that i was truly hoping you would sign this poster for my sons john looks at my father and without hesitation says what are the boys names the poster still proudly sits in the same spot it's been for over 20 years my stepfather found himself a couple weeks later flying them again to another game 
as he greeted the players on the plane. Elway stopped, reaching into his bag and pulled out a football signed by everyone on the team. He looks at my father and says, will this keep you in the cockpit for the entire flight? I'm not a huge fan of flying. Really <laughs> a class act. And after all this, my brother somehow became a Chiefs fan. Story what? for another day. That is, that is quite the twist there at the end, uh, M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, man. There's got to be a story. I really want to see this and hear the story behind how your brother became a, Chief, became a Chiefs fan despite having this incredible piece of Broncos memorabilia in his house. I despite mean, having John Elway personally having the team sign a ball for him. I mean, oh, my goodness. Sacrilegious. Something went wrong. Yes. Something went wrong. Something went terribly wrong. He finishes by saying, you guys bring a smile to my face and thoughts to my brain, and I truly appreciate it. Because I seem to be reminiscing about my past, let me ask you guys. In the last 20 years, who is the guy who Denver let walk or, let, or traded that should have stayed a Bronco? Mine is probably Elvis D. We appreciate y'all, and go Broncos. That's a great choice, and of course, the thing with Elvis Dumervil that is in his favor, of course, is once you got past 2013, and they were able to replicate his sack production that year with Sean Phillips, even though he wasn't as complete a player, in 2014, they got DeMarcus Ware, and they were able to, to bounce back from that. One guy to me, though, who was someone who got away and really could have helped, and he's kind of under the radar. Do you remember Bertrand Berry? Yes, of course. B-Train. A very good person, in addition to being a, an excellent player, he had, I believe, 11 and a half sacks in 2003 for the Broncos. And Burt, I mean, he did not expect to leave, but he also did not expect the Arizona Cardinals to come with an offer that was so substantial, it even surprised him and his agent. And so he goes to Arizona. The next year, he has 14 and a half sacks, and that was something the Broncos could have used in 04. They didn't, they had some decent pass rushers, but they didn't have the alpha pass rusher in that group. And it's part of why in 05, you saw them bring in a bunch of Cleveland Browns as Mike Shanahan's tactic to kind of improve the defensive line to make the Broncos as they were called. But Burt Barry ended up being, he never had a season like that in the years after with Arizona, but he was a solid leader. He was a team captain uh, when they went to the Super Bowl. Huge, huge part of their locker room. And, and, and uh, I think is still doing some stuff like broadcast or podcast around the organization to this day. And uh, uh, that's a dude that if the Broncos could have re-signed him, I think he'd still be kind of around, still be uh, doing stuff maybe even with the team to this day. And, uh, but I think in 04, that was a 10-6 and 6 team that Jake Plummer – he made some mistakes, but he also threw for a bushel of yards. Could have used a, a better pass rush. Burt Berry could have really helped him out that year. Good pick. My pick is uh, Ebenezer Ecubon. No, I'm just kidding. But remember Ebenezer <laughs> Ecubon? Yep. Yeah. He, he looked like he was going to be pretty good in 07. I think he tore his Achilles in the preseason. But uh, another good dude. Another good guy to talk to. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the first ever native Ghanaian to play in the National right. Football League. Right. I don't know why he just came to my head, but he did. So shout out Ebenezer Ekubon. Um, because he was a Bronco, I believe. Yeah. Because I mentioned oh. it. And he was part of uh, that group that had passed through Cleveland before they got to Denver. There you go. Exactly. Um, the actual pick for me, and this is another one that kind of just came to my head, but 
and it's not the Broncos' fault. This is actually his fault. It's Eddie Royal. Uh, I think he's on my mind today because I, I, I'm getting some Eddie Royal vibes from KJ Hamler. And I just – I wish that Eddie Royal could have been here for the Peyton Manning era. He was such a fan favorite. And, of course, he bailed on the team because he was sick of trying to catch passes from Tim Tebow, uh, which was understandable at the time. But just weeks after he leaves, or maybe days even, Mace, uh, it was days. Yeah, Peyton was Manning becomes the quarterback. And just, you know, obviously you probably wouldn't have had the Wes Welker Peyton Manning connection that year, but you might have had uh, – it just would have had more of a homegrown feel if Eddie Royal was one of the guys out there. If it was Eddie Decker and DT for that first year of Peyton, it just would have – I don't know. It would have felt more bron- – it would have felt more Broncosy. It would have, but at the same time, Peyton is somebody who thrived on familiarity. So – a couple of guys who were valuable to him that first year were Jacob Tammy at the tight end position. Remember they brought him in him and Joel Dreesen because Julius Thomas's ankle wasn't all the way back. But remember Brandon Stokely was the slot receiver in 2012 and he had some big catches as well. It was a shame it didn't work out for Eddie. I remember watching him at Virginia Tech as well, and uh, he was a fan favorite there, like he was here. The fan, you know, when he remember Eddie, Eddie, oh, yeah. Eddie, and sometimes when he got going, they did that Tech, they did that in Denver, and of course he was also the Taco Bell spokesman in Denver as well. Remember the royal, royal treatment? treatment. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, only yeah, replaceable like by that. Carlos Gonzalez. You know what was what was also interesting toward the end that uh, John Fox coached him for one year, and that one year with Tim Tebow, we set a career low in receptions and receiving yards. But then four years later, when the Chargers let go of Eddie Royal, John Fox thinks enough of him to say, "You know what? I want this dude back." And he played his final two seasons of a nine-year career with the Bears. Says a Wait, lot. And did he reunite with Jay too? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was nice to see. Uh, yeah. All right, next one here from Fumbles. He says, another new sub here. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Got him. We've had a lot of new subs. Someone reached out to me on Twitter as, as a new sub after the report on Friday that I posted. I mean, it's, it's, pretty, it's really cool and really heartwarming to see that, but it's awesome. It really is, and it, does, it really means a lot to us when, uh, when you guys – you know, say that you want to be a member of this community, even beyond what you've done already, just supporting this podcast. Uh, and you can, of course, do that. You know, training camp, probably the best time to become a member at thednvr.com. And you can, of course, do that by going to thednvr.com and becoming a member. You can even become a golf member if you're a golfer like I am. Uh, there's lots of different options for your membership, monthly, annual golf. There's all sorts of stuff. So make sure uh, to check it out if you're interested. Like all of these new subscribers, we love it. He says, been listening to the pod for a while and missed Mace's writing after following from the old place. So I thought I would send some support and appreciation back. So here's some love down from the Lone Star State. Signed, Fumbles. Oh, that's beautiful, man. Appreciate it and appreciate you writing with us. And, uh, you know, we're just trying to, trying to give you the best coverage we can every way we can. And uh, we, got a, we got a great team here and we're glad you're riding with us. Glad you're part of it. Absolutely. All right, last one. Steve Atwater, Hall of Famer. A message of hope when it comes to the Chiefs' future cap situation. Since the salary cap started, there have only been four teams win a Super Bowl paying a single player more than 11% of the cap, and none have won paying a single player more than 13.1% of the cap. Next year, based on a $175 million cap, the Chiefs have four players making more than 11%, two of which account for over 14%. 
These backloaded contracts will come back to bite the Chiefs in the rear end and open the door for the rest of the division to catch up. Remember, the Rams were praised for the signings of Goff, Donald, and Gurley. Where are they now? You can't buy a dynasty in the NFL, and that's exactly what the Chiefs are trying to do. Hang in there, Broncos country. We're headed in the right direction. Okay. I get where you're coming from, but a couple of things here. Number one, the Rams, were they getting all the praise in the world for the Goff, Donald, and Gurley re-signings? Because when they made those, I thought Goff, a little bit of the product of the system, I thought that Sean McVay would be the coach with enough chutzpah to, and confidence in his quarterback development abilities to be the one who said, okay, I'm going to reset the position every five years and not pay an astronomical amount for Jared Goff. He chose not to do that, and they're paying the price. And Todd Gurley, I know a lot of us in the analytics crowd thought, hey, why are you paying the running back like that? Because they're going to get older quickly, and, the, and obviously running backs are more fungible assets. So I think the only – the only signing of those three that got universal praise was Aaron Donald, and that's been the one that has worked out. Whereas you look at the Chiefs, they're signing – they re-signed Mahomes, but he's young. They re-signed Travis Kelsey, but that, like for Clark Hunt at the ownership level, that may be a product of realizing that he probably traded Tony Gonzalez too soon, trading him in the middle of the 08 season, and he goes on to Atlanta and plays a few more really good years – to the point where he goes in the Hall of Fame, he's rem- remembered almost as much as, as a Falcon as he was a Chief. And so, and, and tight ends, the elite of the elite tight ends as pass catchers, you know, someone like, for example, Jason Witten, they age well and they can be productive. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point, Mace. Um, I just, you know, I don't know. I, I think that they were given a, obviously a lot of praise for signing Ga- uh, uh, Gert. Oh my God, I, go, I get the last one. <laughs> Donald was the one who they were rightfully praised for signing. Um, the other two, I think there were a lot of question marks. I, I know most people think don't pay running backs, or at least, you know, like you said, analytics crowd says don't pay running backs. And Goff, I thought they were off on that one. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things. You go to the Super Bowl and, that, that, you know, people want you to re-sign the guys that got you there. So right. it was understandable, but I was with you. I was kind of hoping to see McVay say, I can do if I can do it with him, I can do it with another guy. Yeah. The other thing with the Chiefs to consider is they are rolling the dice on TV and streaming contracts for 2022 and beyond breaking the bank. And a year ago, that would have seemed like a secure bet. People are still going to be watching football in great numbers. We know that, but – we are headed into, you know, potentially an uncertain economic time. So if there's not a, a good rebound of the economy, it could be a scenario where those contracts, which would then lead to a bump in the cap, maybe those aren't going to be quite the numbers that everyone anticipated. And of course, the other thing is because the salary cap can go no lower than 175 million for next year because uh, because of the pandemic and not having fans in the stands, that means when it does rise as expected with those contracts, because even if they're not what the NFL expects, the, contra- the, the cap will go up and the contracts will go up, it, it's not going to rise as fast as initially expected because they're going to spread out some of the financial harm 
that this year is causing. So the Chiefs' plans may, are, are, are tilting a little bit, and it's not quite as certain that they're going to be able to afford these guys in the way that they thought they could when they were making these plans. Yeah, that's a, again, another good point. Though it, they are banking on a lot, and there's a chance – that they could uh, eventually have it catch up to them. And I think that's what Broncos fans kind of have to hope for here. All right, before yeah. we get out of here, a shout out to Green Mountain Dental Group once again. Best damn family-owned dentist group in the metro area. Schedule a cleaning, schedule an x-ray, schedule an exam, and you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. Like I said, the toothbrush does all the work. When you're tired, getting ready for bed, you don't feel like really, you know, getting that brush in there. Just let the Sonicare take care of you. So uh, that's going to do it for us on today's edition of the DNVR Broncos podcast. Thanks to everyone who tuned in with us live earlier. Thanks to everyone who's tuning in on this format of the podcast. And we'll work on uh, the technical difficulties. It's always a work in progress here in 2020. So we'll work on that. But thanks you all for tuning in. And we'll talk to you next time. It's getting me down, waiting for you.
Dear sports fans, elevate your game to the next level with the Toyota truck. Drive the crowd favorite Tacoma. This versatile playmaker is ready to own the weekend. Choose the tailgating MVP, the Toyota Tundra. This is one vehicle that comes up clutch. Or ride in the adventurous 4Runner, a true champion on and off the road. Whichever truck you choose, you're getting a real winner. Come join the team of champions, Toyota Trucks. Visit toyota.com to learn more or check out your local Toyota dealership today. Toyota, let's go places. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.